On today's Money with Friends, consumers, by the way, consumers is code for you and I, we could get up to $20,000 a piece in Equifax settlements. How does that work? How do you get your share? We're going to share that with you today. And these target day funds, you hear about them all the time. Maybe you like them. Maybe you don't. One Kiplinger piece talks about these target day funds and how they work. Maybe my guest, Sandy Smith, and I will have an opinion as well. That's today on Money with Friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast from my mom's half-finished basement in Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Sandy Smith on Long Island in a nice, cushy office from yesiamcheap.com. And together, we're going to take two headlines ripped from the recent press and not only read them like some podcasts do, Sandy and I are actually going to dig into them and talk about how they affect your wallet. And today's show is brought to you by Tiller. Tiller is the place where you not only can manage your money in a spreadsheet, but at the same time, press the easy button with that spreadsheet, meaning it'll automatically update daily for you and you can use templates and rearrange things so they look however you want. For more on Tiller, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Tiller. It's a great day today. We got Sandy Smith here with us from Yes, I Am Cheap. How are you? I'm so, I'm really happy that we're doing some juicy articles. Well, and, and by juicy, let's define juicy because people maybe have been listening to the show since the beginning. Maybe they're new. This is the first episode we've ever done where there is a better than good chance your wallet's going to be fuller after you listen to this than before. Guaranteed. I, I love it. I love that somebody's going to, actually, a good amount of people, probably there's a 50% chance that you're going to walk away with moolah after listening to this wonderful podcast. When uh, Sandy and I were talking about this ahead of time, I immediately went and got my money. And uh, <laughs> by the way, my spouse, Cheryl, got hers. Sandy, have you gotten yours? Oh, yeah, of course. Me, my my husband, my brother, my mother. I don't know why I know their social security numbers. <laughs> that is dangerous. <laughs> that is so dangerous. Well, enough foreshadowing. We're going to get into it here in just a second after we find out which friend is going to kick off today's show. Headlines ripped from the financial press, only at Money with Friends. And, Sandy, you brought this piece to the table. Why did you bring this particular piece? Because I love money. (laughs) (laughs) You got to end that with bah. (laughs) I didn't didn't do my evil laugh. (laughs) There there it is. Yeah. I knew if anybody's an evil laugh, it's Sandy Smith. So... (laughs) I'm going to practice. Well, let's let's dig into this. This comes to us from uh, where? Market Watch. Market Watch. This is from our friends at Market Watch. And as as Joe said, consumers can get up to $20,000 a piece in Equifax settlement. And here's how to get your share. Let's read a bit of this article. It's pretty long, very detailed, but don't worry, we're going to let you know at the end how you can get your money. So guys, do you remember this um, big data breach a couple of years ago? Two years ago, Equifax revealed that hackers accessed the personal information of up to 147 million people. The credit bureau's newly announced settlement for up to $700 million will provide cash payments for those who have been affected. But 
there are some key requirements people should be aware of before they file a claim. Under the terms of the settlement announced on Monday, the credit the major credit bureau is paying a mix of government fines, legal fees, and most importantly for consumers, setting up a fund that will underwrite free credit monitoring, identity theft protection, and individual cash payments to people affected by the breach, which are capped at $20,000 per person. Some 147 million American consumers had their personal information stolen according to the class action lawsuit being settled in the deal. That's almost half of the 329.2 million people living in America. The stolen information included names and birth dates, and hackers also took approximately 146 million social security numbers, according to Aquifax SEC filings. That's a lot of social security numbers. I get about my mother and my brother and my husband. (laughs) There's like a ton more out there. Yeah, you know four. Some hacker in Russia knows 146 million. 146 million. Lucky dude. Equifax is immediately paying $300 million into the consumer fund, and it will add another $125 million to pay further out-of-pocket expenses if needed. Mark, is it beggar? Because he should be begging us for forgiveness. Man, I Um, think so. Begor, beggar, I don't know. The company CEO said at a Monday press conference that the total payout was by far the largest ever for a data breach case. It reflects, from our perspective, the seriousness in which we took this matter. Equifax denied any wrongdoing in the breach as part of the settlement. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares if you deny wrongdoing? I didn't do anything. <laughs> With this hand in the it's not our fault that our assistants were so crappy that this person or whomever got 146 million people's information. Um, Equifax has not seen instances of stolen data being used for identity theft, and it has not found hacked personal data for sale on the dark web since the September 2017 breach, he said. Because of that, Beggar, that's what I'm going to go with, anticipated the company wouldn't have to pay the extra $125 million to the fund. However, Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who co-led the Attorney General probe into the incident, said in, individual consumers were harmed. <clears throat> For sure, their identity was stolen, he said in a press conference, but did not provide specifics about the case or the number of stolen identities. Jacqueline Rhodes a spokeswoman for Shapiro's office declined to give specific numbers, but said the office did see a rise in consumer complaints about alleged identity theft after the breach. I'm going to skip a bit. Okay. Affected consumers will get four years of credit monitoring and identity protection from Equifax and the two other major credit bureaus, Experian and TransUnion. Though all three bureaus are monitoring, Experian, which is, by the way, a competitor, is the company relaying the information to consumers. After those four years, Equifax is offering six years of credit monitoring. If the consumers in the class action already have credit monitoring, they can be paid $125. Every person can receive up to $500 for the time they spent taking preventative measure or dealing with identity theft. Consumers are eligible for up to 20 hours of reimbursement. 10 hours, $250, can be self-certified and do not require any documentation, according to the document. Another 10 hours have to be backed up by documentation such as bank and credit card statements. 
the fund will pay back up to $20,000 for documented losses fairly traceable to the breach, the filing said. That can include expenses like the cost of freezing and unfreezing a credit file, paying for an attorney, accountant, or credit monitoring services. To prove those out-of-pocket losses and preventable preventative steps, court papers on the settlement said claimants will have to supply reasonable documentation that includes credit card statements, bank statements, invoices, telephone records, and receipts. I really want to hand those documents over to a company that's already been proven (laughs) (laughs) to not be able to hold on to documentation, but you know, whatever. I didn't, I I didn't spend any time uh, on this. So uh, I, so so I just, I I already have my credit monitoring in place. I clicked the button that said I have it in place, took my 125 bucks, bam, gone. And ran with it, right? Yes. Settlement payouts will be overseen by a third-party administrator. It falls on the administrator to decide what qualifies as fairly traceable. Some of the factors include timing of the alleged loss, which have have to have happened after May 13, 2017, and whether the loss involved a type of personal data stolen from Equifax. Um, I'm going to drop down. Uh, only 8% of consumers froze their credit report, but 65% of consumers said they... Oh, and I lost Sandy there, and and maybe it's uh, maybe it's me who's frozen, but I don't think so. I think Sandy's frozen, um, but I think we can actually stop there. Uh, yeah, we lost you for a second, Sandy, but I think we can actually stop there because, but really, what people are interested in is at this point is I mean, because the cat's out of the bag, right? Either either I have my money or I don't have my money, so I think. Um, at this point, it's claiming your your part of the pie. And there we completely lost Sandy. For people that are hanging out with us live, we'll have her back in just a second, I'm sure. But but here's here is the way that this works. It is super easy. It goes very, very, very fast. Uh, anybody who's gone through this process knows it was incredibly fast and easy to do. Uh, there's a bajillion websites. If you're just listening to this, a ton of websites that will have links taking you to the federal website. You can go and see if you were affected. Now, I have met some people that weren't affected, and we'll swing back to that in a little bit. But if you were affected, uh, which you just put your name, uh, first name, last name, and the last six digits of your Social Security number into this government site, click. It tells you you're affected. Once you are, then you get a link to a place where you put in all your personal information. Then they ask you what you want. Do you want the uh, credit monitoring? That is actually not do you want it, do you have it? If you certify that you have it just by clicking a button, then they then they uh, say automatically then they are going to send you $125. If uh, you then self-certify that you spent time because of the fact that um, uh, somebody stole from you because of this breach, you can self-certify some time, as it says in this piece and elsewhere. Once again, I didn't do that. I haven't spent any time uh, working on evident any data breach. If anybody ever, you know, asked a question me about it, I would have zero proof that that happened. So I just took my hundred and twenty five dollars, went away. Same was for my spouse, Cheryl. She also uh, one hundred and twenty five dollars and uh, was done. So two hundred fifty dollars was uh, was what um, what we got. And I'm interesting, by the way, interesting. I'm interested 
in uh, people hanging out with us. We do this podcast live in front of a Facebook audience and wondering if here in the first couple days of this uh, Equifax uh, class action measure if uh, or deal with the government, rather, if you um, went and share my opinion that it was it was really easy. I mean, 10 minutes, maybe less long uh, than 10 minutes to to uh, to do that. And by the way, if you have uh, more than uh, than those 10 hours, then at that point you can get more money, but you're going to have to provide records of that. And if you can provide records, as you as it said in the piece, as Sandy said, you can get up to uh, up to twenty thousand dollars per person. So, uh, uh, fantastic. Um, we also have, uh, because we do this in front of a Facebook audience, by the way, if you want to join us, it's facebook.com forward slash iStackBenjamins. We do this on the Stacking Benjamins podcast channel, uh, different podcast, but part of the same family. So join us there. The, uh, the credit monitoring, we're getting some questions from, about from our live audience, which is why I like doing this live. Rebecca says, what if we don't have monitoring, just did credit freeze? I, I think you have to decide whether you call that credit monitoring or not. If you feel like you want the credit monitoring um, and you feel like that is enough monitoring by having it frozen, Rebecca, then certainly you don't need the monitoring. Take $125. Uh, Dylan also said, this is a good one. I didn't think about this. Don't forget to check your children's names as well and check maiden names. Uh, Donna asks, is Credit Karma considered monitoring? Once again, monitoring, they don't, they don't clearly define it in the piece. So you have to decide if using Credit Karma is enough monitoring for you. Certainly Credit Karma, unless there's a button I don't know about, doesn't tell you when things happen. Uh, like for my credit monitoring, it tells me when something changes on my credit. You might have credit monitoring through one of your credit cards. A lot of new credit cards have credit monitoring attached to it. So that might be, that might be the case with you. Unfortunately, by the way, I'm not getting Sandy back. So still waiting for still waiting for Sandy to come back and join me. And that that hasn't hasn't happened yet. And it's been a while. Uh, now, on on uh, on this piece, the thing that I also worry about is is this. It's um, if you lost your credit. Or excuse me, if you if if you didn't have the the the, the your credit uh, stolen, um, some people are going to think that they're missing out. You're not missing out. I mean, that means that you protected your credit enough that you did a really nice job of keeping yourself safe. So frankly, I'd rather not have the in our house two hundred fifty bucks. Rather not have that. I would much 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 rather have uh, have not have all of my data stolen. So. 125 bucks for your data stolen. Somebody got a good deal and it and it wasn't me. Uh, Dylan says Credit Karma sends me updates of my infos involved in a breach his new accounts open in my name. So Dylan says he'd count it. Yeah, if 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 they're sending you stuff proactively, that's a monitoring service. So it would it that would count. I also find it interesting in the story that even though Experian is the one that made the breach, the government isn't even letting them. Uh, be the one that provides the credit monitoring, even though it's going to be all three services, it's going to be Experian. I said Experian, Equifax, right? Uh, was what I meant. Even though Equifax had the had the problem and could maybe redeem themselves by sending out uh, credit monitoring, they're not letting them do that. They're letting uh, Experian 
take care of you because Experian didn't have that type of, of a problem. Uh, my takeaway on this is, is what I just mentioned that hopefully it didn't get your data stolen. And, uh, that's a, that is a, that's a great thing. Protect, protecting your credit so that you didn't get your data stolen is a high five. If your data was stolen, at least getting your $125 or your free credit monitoring services is just a drop in the bucket, but, um, but it's your money. Make sure you take advantage of it. Next piece comes to us uh, from Kiplinger. And this one is one I picked out because uh, I get questions about target date funds all the time. And I feel like we talk about them a lot, but I see so many questions so often about target date funds that I thought we should just hit it head on, especially when I saw Kiplinger have this piece about what a, what a, what a uh, target date fund is. Um, and the piece is written by Tony Drake, certified financial planner, investment advisor, representative, uh, founder and CEO of Drake and Associates. Okay. Is a target date fund right for you is what this piece asks. What year do you want to retire? That single question is the concept behind target date funds, which are quickly growing in popularity. Target date funds debuted in 1994 as a simple option for retirement savers. They're mutual funds based on the year the saver plans to retire. Let's say you're 50 years old and you plan to retire at 65. You'd select the target date fund for the year 2034 or more likely 2035 as target date funds tend to come in multiples of five. The target date fund is actively managed for the rest of your life, rebalancing to adjust risk as you get older and closer to retirement. As more retirement savers turn to this option, there's some pros and cons you should keep in mind. Let's start off here, like Tony does, with the pros of a target date fund. Conceptually, target date funds are great. They're a simple solution for people who either don't want to deal with investing or who are intimidated by money. They're a good option for investors who are hands-off and who wouldn't rebalance their investments on their own. Target date funds are also good for do-it-yourself investors because they're a more comprehensive strategy than picking on past performance, which is the way a lot of do-it-yourselfers often pick investments. They'd pick the stock that did well in the last quarter of the last year, which is not a successful strategy because past performance does not indicate future growth. Where have we heard that before? The cons. Target date funds are not individualized for a person's specific situation. They treat every person who will retire in a certain year as the same. However, every person is not the same. They have different income needs, lifestyles, and resources in retirement. People should have an individualized income plan for retirement. And target date funds can't do that. Another con is that many people aren't digging deep enough to find the best target date funds when it comes to internal cost, asset allocation, and how the funds are managed. They're also not taking the time to figure out how to incorporate a target date fund into an overall retirement strategy. If you have a Roth or a traditional IRA, how are those complementing each other? Target date funds should be part of a complete retirement plan. Things that you should consider... To be truly diversified, retirement savers need to divvy up their money between the different types of asset classes, including liquid assets you can access at any time, like savings account short-term CDs, growth assets like mutual funds, and safe assets, long-term CDs, possibly annuities, it says. Having said that, 
It's also important to diversify your assets within each category. So although target date funds are their advantages, putting 100% of your holdings in a single fund might be overdoing it. Anytime you're putting all your eggs in one basket, it's not a great solution. Uh, it, piece goes on to talk about risk, asset allocation, and then it weighs in with this. If you're the type of investor who wants to set it and forget it, target date funds are a simple option you should explore. The bottom line, it's important you commit to saving for your future. Keep putting money into your retirement accounts during good times and bad. You won't regret it. The piece doesn't actually come down on where you should be uh, with target date funds. So, Sandy, I'm glad we finally got you back. Do we have a Sandy finally? We do. I'm having the worst day with my computer. You are. You are. We started later than we wanted to because the computer decided to update right then. Well, yes. Welcome to my I had to friends. swap my entire wireless router. Now, notice I'm now in my kitchen, not in my office, because I had to find out what was going on with my router. Um, so fun times. Technology. Well, I just, and these were two articles that I really wanted to be on because they were so juicy. Well, and and let's dive in because I just got done to catch you up, Sandy. I just got done reading the Kiplinger piece to everybody. Let's take this the way that they took it. Let's take it with what we like about target date funds. What do you like about a target date fund? I I think that um, as an employer who defaults people into a target date fund, I like getting people invested into something. Right. And the fact that they can uh, be an investment vehicle where people who are not necessarily feel like they're savvy, because let's be honest, most people do not feel that they're very investment savvy, um, have the ability to have somebody or a, a fund manager um, balance their their money by re you know, allocating where it's invested every couple of years as people get older. So I like that, right? It's a, it's a, the training wheels of investing, if you will. <laughs> it is. I like, I, uh, I like much of that myself, although I don't, and I don't want to get into the negative right away, but I don't understand how people that love, uh, love set it and forget it index funds. And they swear that active management doesn't work. Or some of the same people that say target date funds are a okay, even though you have this active management strategy between the funds, but I won't get into that too much. The, the, the big thing that I like about target date funds is they're usually based on something called modern portfolio theory, which is this, uh, concept of there is historically, uh, a mix of asset classes of different types of investments that would give you the least amount of risk and the highest return for that risk level. And they're managed according to that. Now, they're not all managed the same, but usually yeah. it's modern portfolio theory they use, though. And so you'll see pretty tight allocation between them. Um, there'll be some inviting, but but not a ton. I, I, I really like that. And I do like rebalancing. Because when I was a financial planner and I would help my clients rebalance portfolios back in the day, I'll tell you what would happen. Client would come in. Let's call my client hypothetically Sandy. Sandy walks. I like that name. By the way. It's a great name. Sandy <laughs> walks in and says, "Hey, Joe, I'm here." And I'm like, "Hey, guess what? We have this one fund." And I point to it, and Sandy goes, "I love that fund." It is done so well. You are a genius, Mr. Joe. You've done so well by me. Okay, I'm all ears. What are we going to do? We're going to put more in it, right? Because this is our winner. And I say, no, we're actually going to sell some of that fun. And Sandy looks at me and goes, we're going to sell the good one? But, 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 I, but I didn't tell you I need the money right now. I don't need the money. Leave it in there. 
I love it. This is this is the great fun. Go, no, no, no. We're going to do this thing called rebalancing because we don't want to have too much of a good thing, Sandy. Mm -hmm. So we're going to sell some of that. And Sandy looks at me a little bit like I'm wacko, but I've done well by her so far. And she goes, okay, well, I'm listening. Um, what are we going to do with that money? And I point to another fund and Sandy goes, oh, hey, that's the one I wanted to talk to you about. That's the fund that sucks. <laughs> and so Sandy says, uh, you're going to tell me we're going to get rid of that fund, right? I'm like, nope. We're going to take that money out of the fund that you call the good one. And we're going to put it in the one, quote, that sucks. And Sandy goes, there's no way. What, why, why am I paying you? What is this all about? I'm like, well, it's called rebalancing. And it's because there's this concept of reversion to the mean. Things that are high don't always stay high. Asset classes, they come down. And asset classes are low, don't always stay low. And during this particular period, one was high, one were low. And we're going to try to catch this one while it's low and bring it back up. And we're just going to keep the percentages the same. Mm -hmm. And Sandy goes, man, it just sounds like we're taking good money and we're making it bad. I, I don't know. In fact, back in the day when Bloomberg had an actual magazine, there was an article in Bloomberg that said that rebalancing, quote, takes guts of steel. Like it sounds cool, but what I, that, that uh, analogy I just gave all of you, that's the way it usually comes out. Everybody's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No. But yet, as you know, Sandy, that's why people succeed. Yep. Yeah. It, I think we have with the target data funds, people get into a crutch. Um, and I like it, as I said, as a, as the training wheel, but at some point you've got to ride the bicycle without the training wheels on it. Right. And the target data funds tend to be a little bit of a, of a crutch because you think, Oh, set it, forget it. That's it. Um, and I don't think people realize that they're still at the mercy of whatever fund manager um, is managing this fund and how often it's being rebalanced, they may have uh, a cadence that doesn't match what's going on in the market. Um, right. And they may have a schedule. It's every two years, three years, four years, five years, whatever it is that, that things are, are rebalanced, but then what's the underlying strategy on the re rebalancing? Are they, you know, re reallocating from one sector to the next or, you know, it, it it's not as, um, a magic bullet, I think, is people think target data funds really are. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that then. Let's get into the negatives of target date funds and what we don't like about target date funds. Um, you want to go uh, first? Can we talk about fees? <laughs> yeah, there we go. I don't think that people realize that there are fees associated with these funds. Uh, and I, I don't know that people are really reading into things and looking very closely at them because they're sold as being very easy. You pick the date that's closest to when you're going to retire. You put your money in there and you let it ride. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily the, the best strategy because people don't look at these fees for one. Um, and they don't realize that it actually will be costing them money to have these target data funds. They tend to think of them as free and they're not free. They're not. And you've got to factor that into your, um, your returns as well. Well, and, and here's the th not only do they have fees, it's fees on top of fees. So what'll happen is you'll have a fund that has a fee. Sometimes it's an active fund inside of the inside of the target date fund that has a fund manager attached to it. And then you have a manager managing the asset allocation of the fund itself. So you could have this fund company that's hiring two managers, one to manage the fund, another one to manage the internal fund, and you've got fee on top of fee. 
Uh, so two two layers of fees there where the company gets you twice. The other thing that that I've seen in the past is that, you know, they, they talk about Sunday brunch at a halfway decent restaurant, Sandy, usually is everything the restaurant couldn't sell mixed into a salad. And they, they and they make it all you can eat, right, on a Sunday. And everybody goes, man, this is great, but it's the chef's way of cleaning out the back of the cupboard. Uh, you'll find this in Target Day funds. Some companies will take... That's a really good analogy. I like that. Well, some companies will take it in their Target Day fund. They take all this stuff that nobody wants, and they throw it into the Target Day fund so Manager X gets some assets. And, yep. um, and not great. Now, that doesn't mean they're all bad, by the way. There's some good no. ones... Notably, you know, the same old companies that are good at other stuff are good at target date funds, too. You can look at uh, and and I'm only going to mention a few, but there's 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 several. But if you've got a target date fund with Fidelity, with Vanguard, with T-Roll Price, I think you're OK. Yes. Um, I actually started my first retirement portfolio um, my first real portfolio with Fidelity with the target data fund when they you know, they came out. God, how old am I? <laughs> like 20 years ago. Um, and that's how I started. And and having money in the target data fund was a great little holding place that was better than like, you know, just having it in a savings account in my eyes, yeah. right? And then while it was in the target data fund, I was able to kind of read the education information that they had, got a little bit more comfortable, you know, and then I started moving the money into other funds when I felt a little bit more comfortable and I had enough education that I felt like, okay, I can do a little bit you know, more with this. Um, I think eventually I ended up moving right now. I think I have 25% of my portfolio in, um, in a, in a, a fund that, um, matches the S and P 500, because I feel like that's safe enough. Um, the, the average return, you know, going back 20, 30 years, I feel good with that. Um, and I feel more comfortable with that than what the target dated fund would have done. Um, but again, it's all up to somebody's level of how comfortable they feel um, and their risk, you know. But for me, as somebody who manages, you know, the employee side, employee employer side with millions of dollars, it, it pains me when I see employees not putting money into 401k to begin with, especially when there is a matching portion. So if you're an employer and you're me and you want people to invest and you want to give them that extra money that they're missing, I give the advice, hey, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not comfortable, we default them into a target-dated fund just to get their feet in, yeah. right? Because yeah. I'd rather them do something yeah. than miss out years of contributions and years of match and potential returns. So that's the advice that I kind of give to, especially people who are not very savvy. These days I'm working with a lot of millennials. They're, they're a fun group of people. Um, and so when I see people who've been employed for a couple of years, they've never invested. They haven't done anything. They've missed years of money. I say, hey, have you considered looking at this? And while you're learning, have it someplace. It'll go here. Right. And that kind of starts the conversation and gets people at least thinking about investing. Uh, yeah. I, 
I like that, you know, and I've used that as my takeaway before on the show that what mom says, don't let uh, perfect be the enemy of good, right? Yes. Directionally going the right way is better than nothing. The thing that frustrates me about Target Day Fund, Sandy, is that finding your perfect allocation that fits your goals isn't really all that hard. Like it's not, it's not difficult. If you look up modern portfolio theory, uh, there's 50 bajillion sites on the internet that will show you very, very good uh, diversified approaches. And then picking the right fund in those segments isn't hard. While uh, rebalancing is hard emotionally, once you get through that and you have the guts of steel to just do it and leave your emotions on hold. It's not hard to rebalance your portfolio. Some places, some brokerages, even like M1 finance are set up so that you can do that. Um, I, I gotta tell you though, it is, even for me, it's, it's hard. I bought Amazon at $700 a share and I have other funds. It was the most painful thing to sell that bad boy at 1200, but I'm like, how far is it going to go? Yeah. You know? And I sold it. And then I, I bought actually Microsoft, but, and I have funds, I have actual funds, not just individual stocks, but in terms of rebalancing, you know, even for me, having seen this, seeing people lose a lot of money and X, Y, Z, I had to say to myself, you've got to pull the trigger at some point, you know, and what's that trigger point? And I was like, okay, Amazon could be a gazillion dollars next week, but at this point, the risk for me is too much. And I'd rather go with, instead of something that's $1,200 a share, something that's $150 a share, I could buy more of it, whatever. And, you know, and then I, I felt a little bit more comfortable. You know what I mean? But yeah. it, it, it took me a while mentally to say, okay, pull that trigger. Pull but, that trigger but you didn't sell all of it. That other thing. But you didn't sell all of it, though. You just backed your percentage I down. I sold every. Every bit of Did it. Did you I really? really? Did. Okay. I, I got out of a lot of the FANG stocks. Yeah. And and instead I, I I bought a fund that actually holds holds them as a, a large part of the 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 allocation. Um so instead of I got out of the individual stocks and I got into a fund instead, but even so I reduced um how much I'm holding in tech. Yeah. Um, on purpose because I felt it was time for me to be balanced. I'm 41 now. Um <laughs> conventional wisdom is that women's earnings And do we just lose Sandy again? I think what Sandy was in the I middle of responsibilities. I have to kind is. of balance my risk tolerance, right? With all of that. Now, generally I am a pretty risky investor, but I had to really sit and, and look at the numbers and look at everything that's going on and kind of um, downgrade what I, as an individual person would probably say I'm comfortable with, with risk with the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the the well, and that's funny. I mean, as the goals get closer, right? Like uh, a target date fund does for you. You yep. need you need to land the plane. I mean, you need to to back down the risk that you have in your in your portfolio. I just think it's fairly easy to do on your own, frankly. It is. I think also there's services. You know, I pointed to a, a one brokerage. I also point people to another service. By the way, we need not these guys are not sponsors of ours. So. Uh, 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 but they have been in the past because I like them. Bloom sponsored our three city uh, comedy club tour that we did with Stacky Benjamins. But Bloom does the same thing at a lower price. And you leave the money in your 401k and they'll go in and just look at it and balance it like a target date fund would. Lower price, better funds inside. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm a fan of a service like that. 
So not about, not, not all that. You were saying, by the way, Sandy, and you cut out for a second, you were saying you're 41 years old. Uh, uh, you want to finish that set. You were saying er, women's earnings peak. I was yeah. guessing probably in the next few years. Yeah. Women's earnings actually peak at 40, four, zero. That's it. Mm. Uh, men have another five to six years. Men's earnings tend to peak between 45 and 46. So even as an investor, women and men cannot invest the same because we don't have the same earning potential, number one, and we don't have the same, the same number of years of earning and our earnings don't peak at the same time. So whereas I, I'm i more risky with my husband's portfolio and he's five years older than I am, um, I had to start backing off of my risk now. Um, because I know that this may be the most that I will ever earn right now. And I have to balance the fact that we have a one-year-old and all this other stuff um, and, and be a little bit less risky. And, and actually, I think it's a good, a good idea to kind of rebalance at least every five years. But actually, right now, I think actually a, a, a faster cadence, I would say at least every three years um, to rebalance your portfolio. I'm rebalancing every six months, just to let wow. people know. Yeah, so. And how old are you, Joe? Uh, 51. So you, you're 10 years up on me. Yeah. So I think the closer you get to retirement, you probably need to rebalance. I'm a, a long a, way away from retirement. I'm, I'm just saying you're 10 years closer than I would be. How about that? <laughs> I, I, I want to do this forever. This is too much fun. Because you know why? Because I get to hang out with people like Rena here, who's got a question. Rena says, do you think there's ever a situation where Run can take the effort not to rebalance and be heavy in stocks? Absolutely. Sure. I mean, if even if you get to retirement, Rena, think about this. There's money you're going to want at 80 years old. That's still, if you retire at 60, that's 20 years away. So you want to leave as much of that money in stock as your risk tolerance can handle. Yeah. And women, by the way, spend more time in retirement than men do. So we're going to need our money to make money for us for a longer time. We may have less of it when we retire, right? But we have a longer period of retirement. So we need more, more um, money making. You don't move to the, to the thing paying 1% interest, you know, just because you're retired, you still need your money to be able to make money for you. Which presents these, these presents these big problems for women when they, you know, because uh, lower earnings, so lower balance in the 401k and, and living longer at the same time. We have it stacked against us. Lower yeah. earnings for a longer period of time. We lose some time in working uh, during childbirth. Our earnings peak at an earlier age and we're in retirement for a longer period of time. And on top of it, we tend to be caregivers. So we're taking care of parents who may be retired or we're taking care of a spouse or children or grandchildren. So our money is going out the door just at a faster rate um, than we really need it to be. So women are a little bit we're in a tough position. So we yeah. really have to think a lot about our retirement. I'm a little passionate about this because I, tell. because I see so many women who are in the trenches right now. And I kind of woke up, I woke up at 39 um, and I've been fairly aggressive, but I just, it, with the people who I'm working with right now, most of it tends to be women. My group is 94% women. I just see more of it on a daily basis. And how it can kind of um, affect us in the long run. I see more women in their 60s looking for work um, to supplement, you know, whatever income they've got, or they're in the gap period between when they've lost a full-time employment and between when they can collect social social security, or they don't want to run down their retirement funds really early. So there's a lot to consider as a woman (laughs) with this, and your target date of fund isn't going to cut it. 
No, it's not going to cut it. Well, and here's what frustrated me when I was a financial planner, Sandy. A lot of the time, and I would try to make sure that I spoke to everybody that we weren't doing this bro talk, you know, stock jock stuff. I mean, it was holistic financial planning. I would have lots of spouses, and usually it was women that wouldn't come to the meetings because he handled it. Yeah. And and if and if she's going to live longer, there there's going to come a time when you don't know where anything is. And, and I mean, and, and by the way, this can be this can be male, female agnostic. If, if if you're planning with somebody else and you don't go to the meetings about your money, you've no idea where your money is because that other person handles that. I think that's a huge mistake. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw it in my own life. My father-in-law passed away in 2001. Um, my mother-in-law passed away last year. Um, he handled the money. It was him. So when he passed away, she was like, or, I don't know. Right. But thankfully, I was there to kind of step in. But you're talking about an extra 17 years yeah. you know, of, of time where her money needed to be managed. Now, by the by the time, by the end of her life, I, I was just strictly managing her money for like the past five years. She had nothing to do with it. I that was it. I paid everything. I did everything. But there was a gap period there where she needs to figure out, OK, life insurance. OK, his pension money, my Social Security, part of his, social, you know, all that stuff and figuring that all out. And she, like you mentioned, was a spouse who didn't know what the husband had. Um, so this is a good article for us to kind of spark that conversation for people to not only just not get comfortable with the training wheels and have them on forever, but to find out what you, you and your spouse are doing and make a plan that at some point you're going to retire. Hopefully we live to retirement age. And you figure out what's going to work for for the both of you in retirement, and the possibility that just statistically, you're the female part of your spouse. Um, and that's if you're in a you yeah. know heterosexual couple, will possibly be the one that lives a little bit longer. Yeah. Now, what we didn't cover is that there, if same-sex couples have a little bit of different consideration as well, um, and they're, the planners aren't really accounting for those. There's eighty-seven thousand facets to this thing because we could go on all day about target date funds, planning retirement, uh, because I also think, Sandy, too many people spend time, you know, uh, Stephen Covey and Seven Habits Highly Successful People talks about the two ends of the stick. Everybody talks mm-hmm. about putting money in. Nobody talks about taking money out. Taking it out. And that's yeah. a huge, huge, huge part of the story. But we we, we got to get around to our big idea. We are way over time. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. No, that's all right. What is, what's your takeaway from this piece about target date funds? Where do you, where do you I, stand? I love target date funds as a beginner item it is perfectly fine if you've got no idea what to do put your money in a target data fund just to get started because I, I prefer you to start than not start while you're in a target data fund make sure that you do educate yourself about investing so that you can take those training wheels off and you know graduate and put your big girl pants on at some point yeah i i totally agree with that my takeaway is a little different i don't like target date funds at all for the most part um and 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 even though i don't want perfect to be the enemy of good i would hope that even when you go into a target date fund you know this is not a place that you want to stay long term because it's not hard to do it the right way i i yeah. think I think too many people, Sandy, think it's so hard to do it the, the right way. So I'm just going to do this target day fund because it's hitting the easy button. Well, yes, it's it's doing it the right way is not that hard. Um, so anyway. All right. Let's. Uh, uh, <laughs> Dylan says this is all because you negotiated your Internet cable bill before. <laughs> 
and now they're striking back. He's he's going back to I like that callback to past episodes, Dylan. Yes. Nice work. Yeah. I did negotiate my internet bill. It, it, that that's good. See, fans of the show, man. Uh let's let's do this in just a second. Sandy and I are gonna share what we call our big idea where we're gonna talk about this Equifax settlement and target date funds. How do we put those together into one big idea you can take and use the rest of the day? We'll have that in just a second, but first. I want to talk about Tiller, A, because Tiller's sponsoring the show, but the reason they're sponsoring it is because of the fact that I really like this service and I use it myself. I'm not a guy who likes things to be complicated. I really, I move fast. I usually uh, either produce or help produce eight podcasts a week. So I don't have a lot of time to spend on on the nitty gritty details. And frankly, I know myself well enough, Sandy, that I will spend all day on those details. So it's much better for me to have a very quick snapshot. Now, for most people, you would think, well, then why would you use a spreadsheet? Because spreadsheets are to let you get granular. Well, what's cool about Tiller is this. I can start off with it really granular. There's some pieces I really, really, really like to see or things that we're focusing on. I can focus on those. And because it's a spreadsheet, if there's things I don't like, I can change them. And Tiller comes with a bunch of different templates. I picked one and I was able to then make it really easy. And the thing that Tiller does, if you love spreadsheets that other spreadsheets don't do, is that automatically every day your spreadsheet's updated with your latest transactions and uh, the numbers off of all of your investments, whatever you feed into Tiller. Uh, I really like this tool. You can try it for free. If you go through the front door, you're going to get a month free. If you use our link, you're going to get two months free. So it is uh, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Tiller, T-I-L-L-E-R for more. Check it out and uh, you'll get an extra month of checking it out because you know Sandy and Bobby and I. So you're welcome, America. (laughs) 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 Was that too far? Was that no, too? I think it was perfect. No, it's great. I should have. You had... know people. <laughs> That's right. I pulled some strings for you. Uh, <laughs> all right. We've got this thing called the big idea where we send you home with something that bridges the gap. And there's a big gap between the two of these. Uh, Sandy, do you want to go first or second? Of course. I totally got this. You're going first. I say that you log on. You collect your money from Equifax because you really should. And you should already have some credit monitoring service anyway. So don't select that. And what you do is you collect your money, which they'll start mailing out in January of 2020. You take that money. And if you're not already investing, you know what you're going to do? You're going to put it into a target dated fund. (laughs) That's my big idea. That, That is a bit. That's a practical big idea. My, Thank you. My big idea is more philosophical, less uh, practical. Go, Actually, so you know I'm grading you, right? Let's go. Well, we people say yes all the time. People have a problem saying yes. You know what? My mom taught me a long time ago that no is a great answer. Not getting your 150 bucks, not being eligible for the 150 bucks means that you weren't affected, which means you had already done a great job of protecting yourself. Yes, I am getting 150 bucks. Isn't yeah, I got 150 bucks. It means you got ripped off. You need to protect yourself more so you don't get ripped off next time. No was probably the better answer there. And not buying a target date fund hopefully means that you figured out your own asset allocation. You figured out how fun this could be. And you're actually doing it the right way instead of letting a mutual fund company take the reins and maybe, maybe 
charge you way too much in fees, not rebalance at the right time, and not have money at the date that you need it. So much easier and so worth it. I mean, think about the consequences here. It's only your retirement you're talking about. So why not spend 15 or 20 minutes? You know, Sandy, I saw this uh, statistic recently that people spend more time planning a summer vacation than they do one summer vacation than they do planning their entire retirement. Wow. Not surprising. No. Do you want to think about your retirement? No. Uh, But what I do want to think about is what the heck's going on at Yes, I Am Cheap. What's going on there? Well, I have a whole walkthrough for this Equifax thing because a lot of people are confused. So if you need to figure out how you can claim your money, um, exactly the steps that you need to take, you can go to yesamcheap.com slash Equifax. And I have a lovely article with um, pictures and diagrams for those of us who are on training wheels to help you get your moolah. Yeah, we were going to say that earlier and I totally forgot because that that y- you wrote that just a day or two ago and it's already crazy. Uh, yeah. Just tons of people going there. It's been syndicated a couple of different places and um, yeah, I, I think like I'm up to like 7,000 people have gone over from Facebook right now um, and stuff because it really is just like a step-by-step guide. I literally wrote it for my mom because <laughs> I sent her the link and she's like, well, what do I do? Option one or option two? I'm like, mommy, read the thing. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write this. I'm going to send it to you. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write this and publish this. Forget it. Yeah. So Yeah. That's uh, uh, we've got the link up on the screen, but for people at home, once again, it's yes, I am, yes, I am cheap.com forward slash Equifax. That's gonna do it for today, Sandy. Thanks for hanging out with us again. Thank you. Sorry for my crappy internet and my computer. <laughs> that I think, I think it, I know what happened. I think you knew that I was on with you, Joe, and my computer just completely protested like they're protesting in Mexico, and that was it, even, even when your internet went down. I knew there was going to be a way you'd be able to blame this on me. <laughs> I knew there was going to be a way. My engine has been perfect. I don't know what happened. Suddenly it was like I had to pull out a whole different router to get it to work. All right. So, All right, everybody. Uh, coming up on Saturday, it's going to be Bobby and I, Bobby Rebell and I back. Sandy will be back in a month. Go Stacks and Benjamins, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebell and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Our engineer is Caden Thompson. And for a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with a real episode of Money with Friends.